down. Good evening, good evening, good to have you all here. What a beautiful day the Lord gave to us. How many of you got a nap in? All right, so no sleeping during church, all right? No excuses. Good to have you all here. Hello. Uh, so let's see what we have in the way of announcements for you. First time joining us? Well, make sure you stop by the Welcome Center and uh, pick up a packet and uh, fill out a card. Or if you're joining us online for the first time, sbtnd.org slash connect and let us know that you're out there so that uh, we can be encouraged by that. Uh, our Bible Institute is again tomorrow night. We have a, a class on addiction, uh, this time from the perspective of nurses. And we also have a class on our uh, nursing home ministries so uh, be here 7 o'clock tomorrow if you're interested in either one of those. I've had good turnouts for those. And crazy hat night in Awana on Wednesday. So if you have a crazy hat, wear it. If you don't have one, make one or buy one or get Grandma to do something for you. But there you go, crazy hat night Wednesday. So looking forward to that. Those are always fun just to, to watch. We're going to try something new. A week, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it slowly. And I'm telling you, I'll get asked a hundred questions about it come next Sunday morning, all right? But not this Sunday. Say that with me. Not this Sunday. But a week from this Sunday, so that will be uh, October the 8th, 9th, 9th, October the 9th, okay, is when we're going to start this. We're trying to accomplish several things. Uh, our two services are, are out of balance, all right? So uh, we're going to take a chunk of the adult uh, Bible study, Bible uh, Sunday school class, and bring them in to this second service. So the refuge class, that's the one that meets upstairs in the fellowship hall, uh, Dr. Barber's class, will be down here during the second service and upstairs during the first service. Or, no, no, I said that wrong. Not upstairs. You're not meeting upstairs either. You're meeting in the fellowship hall. All right? So in the fellowship, I'm going to walk you through this. We'll walk you through it again next Sunday, because we're not doing this next Sunday, right? Okay, so we'll walk you through it again next Sunday. Uh, so the teenagers uh, will be meeting during the, which service, teenagers? First service, like normal, but you're going to be in your teen room. I don't know if that's where you're at now or not, but that's where you're going to be, in the teen room, all right? That opens up the upstairs, and one of the things we're having is that the kids are being moved around, and they're being moved around while adults are meandering around trying to get to their places, and it's just kind of a, um, you know, a, a nightmare for young parents. So uh, the kids will have Sunday school during the first service upstairs, all right? All the kids' classes will meet during the first service upstairs. Then... For children's church, they simply step out into the large room that's up there, and they will have children's church in the large room. And so they never have to move around the church building once they're in place. So you'll drop them off upstairs, you'll pick them up upstairs, all right? So that helps that way. It also helps teenagers, you're going to love this, uh, because now that uh, the refuge class is down here during the second service, and you're down here during the second service, that means you and your parents can attend the same service together. Yes, and that's always a wonderful thing. So we're looking forward to us uh, being able to see that happen. So it should balance out the uh, numbers, and it should also uh, help us with the kids uh, in, in a great way. So that is not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday, October the 9th, all right? So uh, keep that in mind. All right, we'll see how many questions I get. And our missionaries of the week are the Mackays, and uh, just continue to pray for them. You might remember... Uh, the things that we're praying for them about, uh, which we're not going to say openly online. Feel free to ask me after the service if you'd like. Uh, but um, just keep them in your prayers, and uh, the Lord's doing some work. We'll see uh, what the Lord uh, directs for them as time goes on, all right? Let's see, Pastor Andrew, do I want them to stand up? Look at the other side. Yes, stand up if you would, please, and we'll pray together, all right. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for, again, allowing us to be here, for the wonderful spirits that you've given to this place and the uh, opportunity we have just to worship and fellowship and lift you up and allow you to do a work in each and every one of our hearts and lives. Pray that uh, this service would bring glory and honor to your name, that we would, for a few moments, set aside all distraction and focus on you 
and focus on your word and allow your Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mr. Dunn. Please remain standing. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. We're going to sing to our Savior this evening, and the Bible tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And that means if you are not good at singing, you are still qualified to participate because we're making a joyful noise. So sing with your hearts and with your voice. Uh, come, Christians, join to sing. Let's see what we have in the way. Birthdays and anniversaries. Any birthdays this last week? Birthdays this last week. Brian had a birthday. When was your birthday? The 16th. And the directory is wrong? <laughs> you better check your records. <laughs> I got you. Okay, so the 16th. And how long have you done the Lord your Savior? Since you were 13. Amen. Good answer. 51. Amen. Miss Jean? It was Dave. Your son-in-law, Dave. He was here last Sunday. It was his birthday. Happy birthday, Dave, uh, on Wednesday. So happy birthday to you, sir. Anybody else? No other birthdays? Wow, September's a slow month. Well, let's sing happy birthday to these young people. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. How about anniversaries? Did we have any anniversaries this last week? No anniversaries? Oh, anniversary. There we go. So where's Tess? She's at home. That's the secret to uh, how many years now is it you're at? 11, 11 years. The secret is 11. <laughs> so 11 years. Wow, I remember that. So here's what I remember about your wedding. Because it was an outside wedding. And uh, I, was, I was using a golf cart to cart people back and forth. So there's a picture someplace out there of Gene Bowen. Uh, I'm driving. Gene Bowen and uh, let's see. I think it was... Um, um, Mrs. Barnes, and who's the third lady that was there? Anyway, I remember that. We had so much fun riding that golf cart around, just, just taking those old women, just driving them around. <laughs> yes, I called them old women. That's all right. She'll survive. <laughs> I think two of them were with the Lord. So uh, anyway, so uh, it was fun. So, have, so what's the secret to 11 years of... Well, I don't know. For us, it's, uh, 
Amen. Agree on the big things and meaning implied. Let the little things go, right? Let them go. You know what the Bible says? I'm, I'm way off track here, but you, this is an extra sermon here, right? The Bible says that it is a glory for a man to pass over a, an iniquity, right? So if somebody does something we don't, we don't have to get offended, right? It's our glory to just simply let it go. There's a song like that, all right? Let's sing happy anniversary of these. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary. God bless you. Happy anniversary to you. And let's see. There he is, Mr. DeAndre. Come on up. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the Bible. The book of Daniel, chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding in science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave name. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. May the word of the Lord be a light unto all who hear it. You may be seated. We're going to continue our singing uh, this evening with I am his and he is mine. Isn't it comforting to know that if everyone in your life abandoned you, that you would still have the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a comfort, and I... Uh, Trust you'll think of that as we sing the song.
talked about who was with Daniel and the, uh, the, uh, his brothers. Um, yes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sorry, my brain just went blank. Uh, let's sing. Uh, sing with our hearts. Fair is Lord Jesus. Fair is Lord Jesus.
The song tonight is the song that we finished the addiction seminar with on Monday night. It's called I'm Free, and a song by the Gaithers. And uh, this is our month of addictions. It's been enlightening for uh, a lot of people, I think. The pastor compared addiction in the first week to um, biblical biblical concept of bondage, and hence this song uh, bears out that truth. Uh, Monday night, it was sort of, I really love this because there's a lot of non-church people there. And when I, we, we sang the last chorus of this song, a lot of these people, some of them of which were recovering addicts, joined in. And you could, you could just feel the enthusiasm, you know, that, uh, that they knew that, hey, God's, God's on our side. And uh, you, could, you, could, you, could just, you could just tell it. Um, one of the highlights Monday night was when Cindy, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me telling this, um, she has uh, four kids. Two of them are um, all-state tennis players at Greenwood High School, uh, girls. Uh, third one is runner-up. I'm not talking about good players. I'm talking about the best. And her son, Dane, was a uh, good player and, and was currently playing uh, college sports at uh, Franklin College. Well, he took a, uh, a shot of uh, intravenous heroin, and uh, apparently there was uh, fentanyl. And uh, when she uh, spoke and passed out his picture, people just sort of caught their breath. But, you know, this is something that uh, happens uh, more than we'd care to think. And, you know, sometimes I think we're maybe in maybe some a little sheltered church circles, but, but hey, it's out there. Um, as a matter of fact, the, there's a big article in the paper this week, Star News, about the, the Colts owner, Jim Mersey, about his passion for mental illness and addictions. And uh, churches are now starting to get involved. Some are having addictions classes. But uh, it's out there. And, uh, it's, and, and you know what? God's on our side, and uh, uh, Christian-based addiction centers um, are more successful. By the way, I've unspoken request uh, in this regard. My granddaughter just unspoken. Keep it in mind. You know, oh, on, on the last, I'm going to sing the song in the last chorus. I want you to join in. Uh, you know, we've all been ransomed from the from the prison of sin. So join in like you mean it. I'll sing the song, and I'll tell you when to join in. <clears throat> So long I had searched for life's meaning Enslaved by the world and my greed Then the door of the prison was opened by love For the ransom was paid, I was freed I'm free from the fear of tomorrow I'm free from the guilt of the past for I've traded my shackles for a glorious song I'm free praise the Lord free at last I'm free from the guilt that I carried From that dull, empty life, I'm set free. For when I met Jesus, He made me complete. He forgot the foolish one I used to be. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past For I've traded my shackles for a glorious song I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last Okay, join in here I'm free from the guilt of tomorrow I'm free from the guilt of the past For I've traded my shackles for a glorious song I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last Good job, everybody. So last week, Doc presented the, uh, from a doctor's perspective, on addiction. Tomorrow night is uh, nurses. 
uh, going to give their perspective and how that uh, they've how it's impacted their patients. So uh, if you know someone who's struggling with addictions, or if you're dealing with some things, or if you just are interested, then uh, come out tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Uh, I think there were about 30 people here last week, so it's been a good turnout. We appreciated it. We're in Colossians chapter 3. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3 as we continue our study of the book of Colossians. As we look at Colossians chapter 3, it really fits in uh, with this theme that we just heard saying about, because uh, last week we were talking about how that we need to mortify our flesh, Right? Uh, the idea is that, no question, our flesh uh, is still something we struggle with. We have the hope. We know that uh, one day this mortal will put on immortality through Jesus Christ. We have that hope. But in the meantime, we still have to live with this flesh. And so uh, we're told by the Apostle Paul to mortify the flesh, to bring things to an end. Well, that was, that was last week, today. Uh, we're in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. And now we need to not only get rid of those things from last week, but now to put on. Let's look at verse 10 together. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, look at this passage of Scripture, help us, Lord, to see its truth, to see our responsibility in all of this, to allow you to... Uh, work in us to change us, mold us in the image of your Son, and we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is a, it is a kind of a difficult thing to understand here. Uh, in Christ, it is predetermined, right? It is not something we can change. Anyone who is in Christ will one day become like Jesus. That's going to happen. Romans chapter 8 Verse 28, which we all love, all things work together for good to them that love God and them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow them also did he predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God has predetermined everyone who comes to Jesus will one day be like Jesus. So it's going to happen. That's not a question. The issue then is the timing of it, so to speak, right? Right now we have the promise, that hope that we look for. That one day we will, this, you know, this mortal will put on immortality. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until that day of redemption. Until then, we are instructed by God things like this. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wilds of the death. We fight a battle every day. We get up every day and we, like the Apostle Paul, must choose to die daily. Die daily. It's not a one and done for us. Now, in a... In the, in, the, uh, in the sense of legally, I stand before God, it's done. I am sanctified, justified, glorified, all past tense. In Christ, it is done. And that's the hope that we look to that that is going to be completed. He who began a good work in us will be the one who will be faithful to complete it, right? And so we look forward to that. But in the meantime, we have this battle. And it's hard for us to get this, but... We have a responsibility in our sanctification. One is to mortify those things that don't belong. Ephesians chapter 4 puts it this way, to put off the old man, right? We're, we have that responsibility. And then the flip side of that is we have a responsibility to put on, to become more like Christ, take away those things. To, now, he doesn't say, do this and you get to go to heaven. No, we're going to heaven in Jesus Christ. But because we're going to heaven, and because now we love him, we want to please him with our lives, we want to then put away those things which do not bring glory to his name and put on those things which do. And, and that then becomes our responsibility. It's not going to change my eternal destiny. That is predetermined. Everyone who comes to Jesus will be like him. That's the way it's going to be. I like to say it this way, because I do believe this is exactly the way it is. We either cooperate with God in becoming like Christ, or he drags us kicking and screaming into Christ-likeness, but every Christian is going to become like Jesus Christ. And God is so serious about this that in 1 John chapter 5, he even tells us there is a sin unto death. There's a point at which God says, if you're not going to cooperate with me here, then let's just get this done. Let me take the burden off of you. And it's not, it's not a threat because, you know, eternity is not a threat for the Christian. It's, something, it's our hope. But God wants us, his desire is, that we would set forth an example 
that we would be an epistle known and read of all men, that we would be a light set on a hill so that others can know Jesus Christ. And so he leaves us here with our, you know, our warts and moles and all the problems that we have, but with his power from on high to mortify the flesh and then to put on. So last week we looked at putting on, or we looked at putting off, we looked at uh, you know, mortifying our flesh. This week we look at that putting on. It starts really here in verse 11. That's an important thing for us to catch in this culture. Now this, this really is it's going to seem almost out of place somewhat, but we need to put this right in, in this culture. Look at verse 11. Where there is neither. Now where? Where's the where? Look at verse 10 and somebody tell me, where is the where? Say it again. The new man in Christ, right? In Christ, there's a whole new attitude here. Listen up. I don't really care what you thought before. It doesn't matter. Here is the new attitude. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. It is time to put away all the cultural problems that we've carried with us into our Christianity. Do you understand? Because they don't exist in Christianity. In Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. They don't exist. We are in Christ, brothers and sisters. And that is a unique... The, the culture out there is trying to separate us culturally. But in Christ, that does not happen. We cannot bring that into the church. If there's anything we, we start with on this putting on, it is to put on this new attitude toward all of those other people groups that we used to have an attitude about. Do you understand? And everybody does. I'm aware that you know, we're all raised with our own idiosyncrasies here, but now we're in Jesus. Things are different. It's not the same. In Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew. That, that no longer exists. And, and we've got to get past this one. So if you're not past that, that's where it starts. But now go on to verse 12. Put on, therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Let's define these things, because if we're going to put these on, we have to know what it is we're putting on. Bowels of mercies is an inward affection that shows forth itself in tender mercy. In other words, I am literally supposed to choose. By the way, we say this all of the time, right? Love is not a feeling. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, go through the list. There's not a feeling involved there. Now, God is a gracious God, and he gives us feeling with our love, but that's not what love is. Love is a choice of action. The Bible says charity, love, suffers long, is kind, envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoice in not iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, action, 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 action. So here it is. We choose to love and then to express that love in a tender mercy. We make a choice. We are to put this on. This is a conscious choice for the Christian. Pastor, you, that's not easy for me. You know, there's some people in my life that are just hard to love. That's why you... Don't do this on your own. We're in Jesus, right? Is it easy for Jesus to love unlovable people? Well, let's hope so, since I'm looking at a bunch of them and you're looking at one. You get, yeah, we're all unlovable people. Think about this. Jesus loves us. If Jesus can love us, then ought not we to love one another? Isn't that what John, 1 John says, right? It, it, that's the whole idea. So we choose. We choose to have a... a an affection that is shown forth in tender mercies toward those around us. Kindness. If you look up this word, by the way, in, in its uh, Greek format, there's a couple of definitions. One is just what you might think, gentleness and goodness. It's that concept of kindness. But there's another one that the Strong's Concordance gives you that I love, and it is usefulness. The idea is that if I'm being kind, then my actions should have a useful purpose in your life. 
Let me explain it to you another way. First, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. My kindness should then have a result of being useful to your spiritual walk. If my kindness is not helping you, then it would not be considered kindness in God's economy. Do you understand? And so we want to be careful to put on these things because we are to put these things on, the Bible says. Humbleness of mind, meaning an, an attitude that of mind. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And then that's in Philippians chapter 2 where it's talking about humility, right? And he, he took upon himself the form of a servant. So Ephesians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And it, that mind or that attitude is the humble servant attitude. That's what we're to put on. We are literally to, to be willing to humble. And, and there in Philippians chapter 2, it says things like this. Uh, let each esteem other better than themselves. Right? Look not on the things of others, but, on, but look also on the things of others. Uh, we're supposed to be other-minded. That's the concept here. That we are to, that, that humbleness of mind is an attitude, a mindset that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach all of my life with humility. So guys, when supper's over and there's dishes and my humbleness of mind says, I'm going to have the attitude of a spirit. Of a spirit of a servant are we are we being servants of that moment and that's the way we're to live our lives it's, this doesn't come natural for us right not none of us especially us guys none of us are servants by nature we're not we're selfish arrogant self-centered that's what we are and we have to choose to put on with the power of christ right we're in christ i'm not talking about unsaved people I'm talking about people who've been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ can put on an attitude of humility. Uh, he goes on to meekness, and meekness is, uh, is now this is a, it's a nuance, right? So we just put on the, the attitude of humility, and meekness is gentleness because of humility. Because I've chosen to have an attitude of humility that then mandates that I be gentle. Would you agree that it's hard to say I have humbleness of mind while I'm smacking somebody upside the head? I mean, the, the idea of humility then mandates an action, and that action is shown in meekness. It's a gentleness that we approach. Now, here's the problem. Us guys, we, we love to excuse All right, a lot of you guys can hear me, right? So we want to be men. Men are gentle. Gentleness and manliness don't go together. And so we want to excuse our behavior because we want to be men. Well, listen, let's be like the greatest man to ever walk on the planet. And that would be Jesus Christ. Let's be like him. I'm going to tell you guys, in my experience, it takes a lot more manliness for me to set aside my frustration, irritation, etc., and approach people with meekness and gentleness than it ever does for me to fly off the handle. Anybody, any jerk can fly off the handle, right? Anybody can do that. It takes nothing to be able to make that happen. But it takes the power of God to put on meekness, gentleness. And then, of course, long-suffering, which is, just what it, if, if you think of the word separately, it means to suffer long. It's long suffering. It, it literally means this to put up with. But, Pastor, you don't know what I have to put up with. You're right. Can I say something else? I don't care what you have to put up with. <laughs> I, I don't. Did Jesus Christ die for me? Think about what Jesus had to put up with from your pastor. 
Just think about that for a moment. What do you have to put up with just to, to keep his promise that he will never leave me nor forsake me? Wow. And so we are to put on this willingness to suffer long. It's not always easy to do things right. It's not always easy to, to put up with certain circumstances. I can't imagine. I can't. You, you say, Pastor, you just, you just don't understand because you know, I'm, I'm married to a drunk or uh, you know, I, my, my husband or my wife verbally abuses me all the time or my, my parents, they're not saved and they're acting. And I, I'm saying to you, I, I feel for you. But that doesn't take away the responsibility that you and I have to put on Christ-likeness. Because we do this to Jesus every day. We do this to Jesus every day. And he is long-suffering. And as we become more like Christ, we put on that long-suffering. Verse 13 goes on with that same theme, forbearing one another, putting up with one another. Um, so this morning we, we looked at... Um, 2 Samuel chapter 23, where David's mighty men are there. And in, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, where it gives, it says, I love that. It's like, and David went and all of the people who were in debt and all the people who were distressed and all the people who were, who were uh, discontented all rallied to Jesus, and, and, or to Jesus, to, uh, to David, and David became the leader of them. Remember that? It, it's like, do you think David had to learn how to forbear? Now, then remember what you know about David. Do you think that the people had to learn how to put up with David some too? It's not easy. As Christians, when you get to this one another, it's kind of like leaving the family and coming into the family of God. And you know what churches have to do in order to have unity and in order to have that, that uh, wonderful sweet spirit that we look for in a congregation? They have to have a willingness to put up with, to forbear. And we're supposed to forbear one another. Uh, you know, be patient. Remember the, the old bumper sticker, be patient, God's not finished with me yet? Be patient. Be patient. One day, I'll become a good preacher. And then, you know, the, the next day, I'll die and we can go to heaven together. And then I'll be a really good preacher. I mean, I, it's just the way it is, right? Be patient. God's not finished working. And so as we're trying to deal with people at work, at church, at home, at school, uh, remember, you know, God's doing a work, and let's give him that opportunity. And then how do we do that? Well, it goes on to the next step. Look at verse 13. And forgiving one another. Help me here. You've heard these things before, so just help me. What is the opposite of forgiveness? What is the total antithesis of forgiveness? Bitterness. If we do not forgive, we will ultimately become bitter. These are our choices. Forgive or be bitter. And bitterness is a root which springs up and incorporates itself into every aspect of our lives. We do not want to go down that path of bitterness. It is ugly. All of us have seen someone who is struggling with it, and it's ugly. So what's the option? The option is to forgive. That's the option. It's not easy. Well, you know, if they would, if they would ask me, I would forgive them. Is that what we're supposed to do? Is that what we're supposed to do? I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. Because, you know, I know there's a passage of Scripture that says, how, when the, the, the disciples came to Jesus, that how often should we forgive someone? Uh, if, they, if they ask once or if they ask seven times, and Jesus' answer was 70 times seven, right? And, and the idea that Jesus is getting across, in my opinion, is quit counting, you know? He gets to 490. By the way, this is all the same thing, all the same sin, all the same offense. 490 times, like, just quit counting because we're not called upon by, to, by him to count, right? Aren't we glad that we have a God who approaches us with a forgiving spirit? And I'm telling you, if you're going to hang on, well, I'm not going to forgive them until, then you are punishing yourself because you're on your way to bitterness. And it's never pretty. It's never pretty. To, to approach, you know, the people in our lives the way Christ approaches us with that forgiving spirit, that's the way to go. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And, verse 14, 
Above all these things, put on charity. And charity is what? Love, right? Charity, 1 Corinthians 13, ends this way. Uh, now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is charity. Uh, we need to learn how to love. We need to live our lives with love as its root and, and uh, put on charity above all these things. And then he goes on to verse 15. Let me show you this, how this all fits together. I'm, I'm running out of time, so we'll hurry here. But, so we're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He, he's just described to us what it looks like as we're putting on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. And then he gets to this, this, these verses here in verse 15 and 16, and he, he says a word that we don't want to pass over here. He says, and let. Let. Now what does that word let mean? Now in the Greek, by the way, it's kind of incorporated into one verb, and so it's uh, or into one noun slash verb, so... It, it's there, but it's not, you're not going to find the Greek word for let because it's attached to rule. All right? It's attached to that word rule later on in this. But what does that word let, which is attached to rule, mean? Allow. It means that you and I have to cooperate here. Now listen, I know that one day I'm going to be like Jesus, cooperation or not. Right? Cooperation or not, I'm predetermined to become like Jesus Christ. That's the hope that I have in Jesus. But in the process, I have a responsibility. One of my responsibilities is to put on. We've just gone through a whole series of that put on. I have an action word here. I have a responsibility. Then the next one is that I have to allow, I have to cooperate with God in this to allow the peace of God to rule in my heart. That's a big deal. To allow the peace of God to rule in my heart. That, that doesn't just happen accidentally. It's not like you wake up one morning and say, oh, wow, I've got the peace of God. There's a conscious choice to say, I am going to cooperate with God in allowing the peace of God to rule in my heart. I say this to my kids all the time, and I, I've said it to you many times. No one, if, if, where does this peace of God come from? Where does it come from? Don't make this hard. God, right? Comes from, it's, that's why it's called the peace of God. Right? Don't make this hard. Now, if it's coming from God, and I fail to have the peace of God that passes all understanding, how does that happen? Because you cannot, cannot take the peace of God away from me. It didn't come from you, and you can't take it. Do you understand? There's not a circumstance in existence out there that can take the peace of God from me. It is the peace that passes all understanding. But I can fail to cooperate with God and give it over. That's something I can do. I don't have to allow the peace of God to rule in my heart. I have a responsibility here. You can't take it. Circumstances can't take it. Nobody can take the peace of God from me. It's from God. But I can choose to set the peace of God aside and live in my turmoil and my frustration and my irritation. I can live there rather than in this peace of God which is to rule in my heart. To which also ye are called in one body. And he says, go on, and by the way, and be thankful. In all this process of putting on and, and cooperating with God, learn to be thankful in all this. And then he goes on to verse 16. Another let word, allow. And this let word in the Greek is tied to the, to the, uh, to the um, verb dwell. To dwell, to reside, to stay right there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, I'm a Christian. Doesn't that happen automatically, Pastor? It will one day in the future. One day I'm going to become like Jesus Christ. No question. That's my hope. But in the interim, on a daily basis, I cooperate or I don't cooperate. I allow the word of Christ to dwell in me richly in all wisdom. And by the way, here's what it looks like. And you can tell right now in just a few seconds whether or not the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly. Because if so, you are teaching and admonishing. Teaching means just that. It's deducto, deducto. Didacteo, I can't remember the word. 
uh, but it, you know, didactic teaching is just simply giving instruction, giving information. That's teaching. But admonishing is to, to ask someone to slow down and give caution to, right? Slow down. Let me, uh, let me, uh, let's, let's stop and think about this. That's that concept of admonishing one another. If we're not in the process of teaching and admonishing someone, then you know what we're not doing? Allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Because that's what it looks like. But it doesn't stop there, right? If we are letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, not only are we teaching and admonishing one another, but we're doing so in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And what's the word? Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what is the, I believe, the easiest way to know where someone's heart is in their spiritual walk. And that is to let Pastor Andrew or Mr. Devin stand up here and say, turn your hymnals, let's sing, and then to watch what happens. Because the heart in which the word of Christ is dwelling richly can't help but sing. And the heart in which the word of Christ, word of Christ is not dwelling in richly can't stand to sing. It's the strangest thing. I look at my teen, my class, my, my Bible class at school, and I, I tell them this. Guys, we're going to sing. Mm, groans. I'm like, whether you know this or not, this is the barometer. This is, this is what's telling me the temperature of your heart. This is the, ther- the, the thermometer here, right? I, I know exactly where you are spiritually by watching your reaction to these things. Are you teaching? Are you admonishing? Are you singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord? Because those whose hearts are filled with the Word of God richly can't help but express that richness in teaching, admonishing, and singing. Just a little uh, quiz, because I've taught you this a thousand times. Let's see if we remember it at all. So it says three things, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What's a psalm? Say it again. Okay. A psalm is scripture put to music. All right? That's what a psalm is. Thus, by the way, the book of Psalms, but there are other scriptures put to music. So one of the probably the most famous ones uh, is um, the end of uh, Psalm 23, which says, am I remember what it says? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Oh, it's a psalm. It's a song from the... It's, a, it's scripture put to music. We sing them all the time, right? That doesn't mean that it follows the scripture exactly necessarily, but it's basically this passage of scripture put to music. We have one of the hymns of the month based on Philippians chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. Remember that hymn of the month? Uh, Pastor Andrew, what's that hymn of the month from Philippians? Do you remember? Where chapter 1 is, cha- is verse 1, chapter 2 is... For me to live is Christ, yeah. And uh, so chapter 1 is based on the truths of chapter 1, or verse 1 is based on the truths of chapter 1. Verse 2 is based on the truths of chapter 2. There's four chapters in Philippians, and, and you get those four uh, chapters represented there. That's a psalm. What's a hymn? Say it again. It's a song about him, right? It's a song that directs our attention toward him. Now, all of these do that. Don't misunderstand. But it's a song that's specifically about God. For instance, we just sang... Fairest Lord Jesus. Didn't we just sing that? Or was that this morning? Fairest Lord Jesus, we sang, right? And it's a song about him. We sang, what was the other song that we sang, Mr. Devin, that was a hymn? Where did he go? Say it again. We just sang another. We just sang two hymns. And uh, no, that's not a hymn. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. So what was the other one? Maybe, maybe it was this morning. Anyway, so don't worry about it. Don't worry. So those are songs that are about him, right? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. It's all about him, right? How great thou art, how great thou art. It's about him. But then we get to spiritual songs, and we have, Devin, I am his, and he is mine. And it's a song about us, about our standing. Right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
which was blind, but now I see. It's, it's a spiritual song. And all of those are to be a part of our spiritual walk. And you know how to get them to make, be that way? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because when that happens, we begin telling other people, teaching and admonishing, helping people to slow down, make sure you're making a wise decision here to warn, to caution people. That's, what, that's that, that admonishing concept. And then our hearts are filled with the joy of the Lord, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And he ends in verse 17. And whatsoever you do, the last action word he gives us, we are to put on, forbear, forgive, let, sing, all these action words, and then he sends, ends in verse 17 with his action word, and whatsoever ye do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It all, those attitudes we put on at the beginning of this, that, that long-suffering we put on at the beginning of this, that humility we put on at the beginning of this, now turns into the way we live our lives. It becomes our action. Now, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. So last week, putting off, mortifying, getting rid of. This week, putting on. Based on where we are here in this passage of Scripture, are you growing in Christ? I mean, even if we just took that one verse, verse 16, are, are, are you allowing the word of Christ to dwell in you richly? Does it show up in the way you talk to other people? And your attitude of singing. Have we put on that humility, that tender mercy? Have we put on that forbearing, that long-suffering? I, I know that we're not going to be perfect on this side of eternity here, but our job is to mortify those things which fail to bring glory and honor to our Savior and to put on those things which lift up Jesus because as he is lifted up, he draws all men unto himself. We're to be that city set on the hill, the light that shines before men. So the question is, are we growing? Are we cooperating with God in this wonderful thing called sanctification? Hey, Pastor John, I know I'm saved. That's not the issue. But, Pastor, I, I'm struggling to remember the last time I took a conscious step of growing into Christ-likeness, of putting on a, a, a character trait that represents my Savior. And I need to begin this process of, of putting on Jesus Christ, of allowing Christ to shine through me. Pastor, I've not been doing that. Please pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Three, four, five. Thank you. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor John, I'm not even sure that I'm saved. Maybe that's my issue. I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. How can I live for Jesus if I don't even know him as my Savior? And I'm just concerned about my soul. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that here this evening? Anyone? Father, tender hearts are here. God, I thank you for empowering us from on high to live out the life you've called us to live. Now, God, I pray that you would help us to see those things which need to be mortified and those things which need to be put on and to actively involve ourselves in the process of sanctification. And Father, you will thank and praise you in Jesus' name. We'll stand together. We're going to sing 477 channels only. 477 channels only. The altar's open to you. You step out, let the Lord have his way. Would you as we sing together? How I praise thee, precious Savior. They hold on me. Thou hast and cleansed and filled me that I might thy channel be. Channels only blessed with all thy wondrous power. Okay, it's seven o'clock and I have an assignment for you on your way out, all right? So here it is. Are you listen? Some of you said, I'm not sure that I have actually seen that person, Pastor. There are new people here. We have visitors. But beyond that, there are some of you, I, I don't think I know their name. I should because I see them here, but I don't know who they are. So on your way out, everybody needs to introduce themselves to someone 
whose first name you're not certain of, all right? Who their first name you're not certain of. Now I say, you say, Pastor, you're going to put me on the spot because as soon as I go to someone, they're going to know I've forgotten. That's all right. You know why? Because they're going to be forgiving and forbearing. They're going to put up with us. That's what we do, all right? But uh, get to know somebody uh, on your way out. That means you need to walk slowly, give somebody a chance, all right? Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine up and give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You're dismissed.